0: All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. First week, which was two weeks ago, Daniel talked about that. This is a a a picture where the psalmist is trying to help us to understand who God is. That God is the all sustaining one, the one who has no need of anything, and because of that, everything we need can be found in Him. I shall not want. How was that even possible? Well, we went on to talk about last week. We're reminded that Jesus calls out to us. It's not what's in our hand that's most important. It's what's in our heart. That Jesus invites us to recover, to restore, to return to him, showing us how to take real rest. He talked about Sabbath, and it's a great message. You can listen to it uh, on our website or on YouTube. But that we would find completion and provision to be and to do who God has called us to be. Green pastures, still waters, And all of us would love to just stop right there. I don't know about you, but I would. When I was 9 or 10, I grew up in a small town in the interior. But when I was 9 or 10, we had a small little Christian school. And we had been doing some preparation for some outdoor education uh, with Mr. Gustafson. Uh, who's since gone on to be with Jesus, but he was a volunteer in the school. So he showed us different things about how to be prepared, how to how to be prepared for going in the woods, how to have keep care of your matches, uh, how to how to pack well, have first aid kit, all the things. And then one day in in the winter time, he said, "We're going to go now and put it into practice." And so we went up into the woods, which was basically outside the door, and uh, followed him through the dense bush. And like I said, I was 9 or 10, and we, he just kind of said, I'm going to go ahead, just follow me. And so we followed behind him and listening to his voice, keeping our eye on his back. Uh, he was a big, tall man, broad shoulders. And uh, we finally got to a meadow a clearing, and he said, now we're going to practice some things. And so we took out our matches that we had uh, prepared by dipping those wooden matches in the head of Dipping their head into some uh, liquid wax and pulling them out, so that they would stay dry, keeping them in a, a special container and everything. And so, and then we went and gathered the witch's hair, as we called it. Or okay, that's not like some moss. Okay, no. Some special moss that hung from the trees and, and some birch bark. And we did all the things and got the fire going and, and everything. And he talked to us about how to survive and how to find your way back to the road and, and and be safe and all the things. And then I can remember when he said this, who can find their way back now? And my confidence suddenly evaporated. I was like, No. No, 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 no. I heard what you said. I know how to make the fancy matches, but I am not ready to go into that bush by myself. Bears, dark, wolves, all the things that you can imagine that could be out there, not to mention that I could get lost and die. Probably why maybe today I still am not a big outdoorsman. I can find my way around, but it's not exciting for me. Uh, But then I realized that it was just a rhetorical question. My quick courage quickly returned. I squared my shoulders, and I was prepared to bravely follow him back down the mountain because I could hear his voice and keep my eye on his back. Real. And many times in life, isn't it true that it's not always green pastures and still waters, so to speak? personally there have been times where it's been less than still waters more like white water more like dense bush more like challenging times can remember the time when i went into an appointment with my lead pastor at the time and i walked out knowing that i would have no job and it was not ending well and over the course of the next few months i lost friends I lost tens of thousands of dollars and having to sell my house, lost uh, position, lost all kinds of things, and everything changed in a moment. I thought my life was going this way, and suddenly it was going a different way. Or maybe it's time like when my cousin took his life unexpectedly, or the time when I got a bad report on a CT scan in my brain. Times when it's not green pastures, not still waters. It's anything but. And sometimes life is like that. It's marked by dark times. It's marked by times that are challenging. It's marked by times that you wish you weren't a part of that seem to often threaten to overwhelm you. Maybe you're wondering how you will overcome the financial challenge that you're in or the relational challenge that you're in or the character defect that kind of keeps seeming to creep back into your life or Or you're trying to figure out how you're going to overcome the pain of the loss of either a friendship or someone close to you or how how that might look. Or the spouse that walked out on you and you're not sure how to put it all back together. Or maybe they haven't walked out yet, but you're in a challenging season as you wonder if your marriage will survive. Or maybe you have kids or a parent that have walked away from the Lord and you're wondering, what is going on? I don't understand this. And we all face challenges on every side and difficulties of pressure and increasing costs and our rent going up and our wages not keeping up and the food prices going up and everything like that and all the things that are pressuring on every side, struggling with a sin you can't shake, an addiction that won't break. Where are the still waters that Daniel talked about where I can relax? and be restored, and be refreshed. They're there, but they're not the only part of the story. We see the narrative begins to change as the sheep move from passivity of sitting and waiting and watching into a new phase. And we f- drop down to the end of verse 3. It says, he leads me. Someone say, leads me. He leads me. In the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yes, awesome, stop there. It goes on. Yay, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's a beautiful imagery that we see picking up where it says that Jesus will lead us along this path, this right path, this path of righteousness, the right path for our life, and we're grateful for that path. It's comforting to know that he will lead us in those kind of paths. Psalm 32 and 8 says it this way, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and I will watch over you. Yes, thank God, the best pathway for my life. Love it. Jeremiah 6.16, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads. Has anybody ever been at a crossroads in your life? And look, ask for the ancient paths. And ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your soul. We love this idea that Jesus leads us along the right path, the good path, the best pathway for our life, and we envision it funny. And in terms of the allegory of our life that this psalm seems to represent, most of us would only love a path that is without stone, without difficulty, without challenge, without wildness all around us. But the right path imagery connects to the next phase, the next phrase, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There's a bit of a beige flag right here. I'm trying out some new phrases. <laughs> did, did I do all right? Uh, Kelsey's like, no, it's terrible. Move on. Just having some fun. It says, yea, though. It signals and presents a theological surprise. The sheep on the move from the lush meadows and the... Still waters move into a valley path, into a path that's dark, into a path that threatens them and discourages them and causes them to fear. It's a, Someone has said, it's a journey away from the light of the known into the obscurity of the unknown. It's away from the warmth of the sun to the cold of the shade and a shadow. And here it is, is that the right path sometimes includes the valley of shadow, and the valley of deep darkness. Sometimes we get ourselves in trouble because we have wandered away. The record of scripture is that the good shepherd is looking for you if you're wandering right now. Sometimes we are not a follower of Jesus and we are simply lost and don't know where to go without a hope in the world. The beautiful thing is that the good shepherd came to rescue you. But this is not about a wandering sheep This is not about a lost sheep. This is about a sheep that is a follower of the good shepherd and finds itself moving into a phase and into a journey that is dark and foreboding and seemingly, what is going on? I'm following the good shepherd into a dark valley. It's important to note, as one theologian said, that the valley of the shadow of death is as much God's right path for us as the green pasture which we lie beside. And The psalmist refers to these dark, dark, wild, and gloomy ravines which abound in the mountains of what is now the Holy Land, the rocky sides of which are filled with caves and caverns, with wild animals and robbers and thieves determined to steal, kill, and destroy. And it represents this. Whether it's on the one hand, some few people feel it's just a speculation of it's a, about the shadow of literal death where others be, believe it's about the trials of life. But we can see that the word translated evil, if you're not sure of what this is referring to, means to things that are not good. Kind of covers a lot. Things that are not right. Things that are ill in your life things that are stressful in your life, things that are harmful, including but not limited to death. You don't just read this at the graveside, although you can. But the valley of the shadow of death is a scene of great and uncommon distress, of such trials that threaten to overpower your soul, that throw it into amazement and wonder, that break your purposes, that fill us with alarm and horror. And sometimes we know why we're there. Sometimes it seems like the actions of others have pushed us there. Sometimes it seems like we have no clue why. And other times it's the direct call of the shepherd. But regardless of why you're there, we need to know what's going on. Because left to our our own devices, the problem is not the valley itself. The problem is fear. Because valley times are actually natural and normal. But left to our own devices, our own resources, our natural response is to be afraid. In fact, we see that up to a third of Canadians will likely have a panic attack this year. Or if we dial it in a little bit more, you say, well, I've never had that. I can remember having one of those. I didn't know what it was. I drove up to my office in Vancouver Island, and it felt like my heart was going to stop. My chest tightened. That's usually a sign that something's not good. But I was raised in the mountains. So I grabbed a hold of my steering wheel, sat there and just said, you're going to be fine. And I breathed a little bit and breathed a little bit and the pain radiated and then slowly it faded away. And I went into the office and smiled and said, how's everybody today? I didn't know. It to, well, I didn't tell my wife for a long time. But I found that was called Was I talked to my doctor later, a panic attack. It's a sign that something's wrong, just in case you're wondering. But there's an article I read this week that said that Canadians are struggling in every corner of this country and they're worried about their family's future, with nearly 60% extremely concerned about what's going on in their world. We fear the future. We fear the unknown. We fear the loss of control. We fear for our loved ones. We're confused, we're disappointed, we're wondering. And the psalmist reminds us that in the midst of the valley, in the midst of the things that are not right, in the midst of things that are stressful, in the midst of a bad report from the doctor, in the midst of betrayal and rejection, in the midst of a financial challenge, in the midst of not knowing what to do, he says this in the middle of that valley, I will fear No evil. (laughs) But Craig, surely a psalmist writing 3,000 years ago didn't have the kind of things that I have to be afraid of. He wouldn't say that if he knew the challenges that I'm going through. You wouldn't say that if you knew what I had been through. You wouldn't say that if you understood what I'm facing tomorrow. How can the psalmist say, I will fear no evil? And something begins to be unlocked as we read on. Interesting to note that in the original language, this, including the title, there's 20 lines in this psalm. And right in the middle, at line 10 in the original language, is the phrase that we translate, for you are with me. Someone has said that the Psalms are a microcosm of the entire Bible, and that Psalms 23 is a Bible of the Bible of the Bible. You are with me. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil not because I've got more money. I, I will fear no evil, not because I got vindicated. I will fear no evil, not because everything is worked out and good things come to those who wait. He points to something greater, something deeper. You are with me. The comfort is the presence of the shepherd amidst the danger rather than simply the removal of the danger. And sometimes we're looking for... Just our situation. If everything would just shift a little and change a little, then I could feel better. But in the middle of it, there's this great promise that in the middle of the challenge, in the middle of the dark valley, that the shepherd is not way up ahead, nor has he gone behind, but he's right there with me. The dark valley path is a path that we should never take alone. In fact, notice, though, the switch from the third person. Earlier in the chapter, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. He, the Lord, he. And then suddenly, his focus changes to you. You are my shepherd. It's your rod and your staff that comfort me. The God who had been out there, the good shepherd, was suddenly the God In here. The God who had been at a distance was suddenly right here. The God I knew generally in the meadow, I have come to know personally in the valley. It's good to know all about the things of God and to know all the verses to to quote and all the songs to sing and, and raise your hand at the right time. But it's never enough to know about Jesus. He actually wants you to know him. To go to say, he, 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 yes, but what about I look into the eyes of the one who created the heavens and the earth and he looks at me and says, you are my son, you are my daughter, I am with you, I have not abandoned you, I'm not forgotten about you and I can look at him and say right back, you are my shepherd, you are my shield, you are my great reward, you are my rod, your staff comforts me, you are the one who goes before me, you are the one who is behind me, you are the one who surrounds me with your favor. I don't know if you've ever watched the reality TV show Alone. Has anybody ever watched that one? I think it's on maybe Discovery Channel or something like that, but uh, it's kind of a cool show. One of, I think the first one was set on Vancouver Island somewhere. And the concept is, is that they take people and they drop them in a, in a large area but ne- that nobody knows where anybody else is, and they drop them in with some very basic things and say, you're going to stay there by yourself. And the last one who... Taps out, wins. So you're in a place with very little shelter, no food, a few tools, and that's it. By yourself. But these are not your regular suburbanites like me. They're more like Daniel, but even on next level Daniel, in the woods. They can hunt, they can fish, they can trap, they can do all kinds of things. They know how to build shelter. So they got all the stuff to do it. But what happens is, over time, they will eventually start to unravel. They have cameras, and you see people, guy who had been so confident and cocky already. Uh, it's day 27. <sighs> I heard something outside last night. I, I think it was a polar bear. Uh, I, I'm not sure what's going on, but uh, this could be my last post. I, am, I have got the satellite phone. If I make it to morning, I'm, 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 I'm tapping out. It's, it's the end all I could do. And the reality is, it was because they were alone. They start reminiscing of, oh, to be around my kids and my wife again, to go with my friends over here and and do all that kind of things. It all began to be unraveled because they were all alone. They started hearing things that weren't there, imagining things that weren't real, started being paranoid and fearful because they were all alone. And too often we do not really understand the depth of God's love expressed for us in the fact that the Lord Jesus is actually with us. It's not a concept only. It's a truth and a reality that you really discover as you walk down the valley path. We assume that God is with the church in general or he's with that person over there specifically, but with me, I'm not so sure. And we say, as we say that, we cut ourselves off from the whole message of the gospel that it's not just that God created a world, it's not just that God filled the world, but it's that God became flesh and dwelt among us in the person of Jesus and came near to us. I am with you. I can remember. I was out of I referred to it already where I was 40 years old, I was out of what I had planned to do. Vocational ministry was gone. My dreams were shattered by painful loss of friends, of 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 a career, of a home. I was seemingly at a dead end and I can remember I was under a house working. I was thankful for a job. And I was digging, and I was wet, and water was running down my neck. And I was saying, What did I do? Why is this happening to me? And the only answer that I could get is, I got you, I'm with you. I don't want this. And God was working in the middle of a valley, in the darkness literally in the darkness under a house with the rats and the mice shoveling. The story of the Bible is that Jesus came to us such that we can say to him, you're with me. It's not just him saying it to us, but it becomes a confession of our mouth. You're with me. I remind myself, you're with me. What difference does it make that the shepherd is with you? It's just four things and then we'll be done. First is that I walk. I used to have nightmares when I was young. And I would have nightmares and I, I don't know how I formed these because I, we, we had two channels so I couldn't even watch bad shows. I think the scariest thing I watched was the Muppets. <laughs> For real. Two channels on a 12-inch TV, black and white but I would wake up absolutely terrified from a dream, blankets over my head. And the thing that I would do is just quietly, suddenly run and get out of there, run upstairs into my mom and dad's room and try and crawl in their bed. They would say, get on the floor. Don't bother us that much. We love you. You're gonna be fine, but sleep on the floor. Why should only he be awake? I'm not gonna, no need for me to be awake. But we want to run when things are difficult. You think when you're in a difficult part or a bad part of town, it's fine. You have great courage when it's two in the afternoon. But when it gets to be about midnight and it's dark and you look around and what's going on, somebody's doing that over there, somebody over there you're not sure about, all kinds of things, and every shadow looks a little longer and darker. And we run when we find ourselves in valley times. We want to run. From the darkness of the unknown and the darkness of the things that we can't control or define. We seek to escape the darkness and even deep darkness at times by often turning inward. Trying to find strength and solace in ourself which most of the time only leads to discouragement and even depression. Or we might become defensive and angry with God and people because I just wanted to Stop. Or we might try to distract ourselves with endless scrolling or entertainment or watching another Netflix documentary on people getting lost in the woods or whatever it might be. Or we might try to seek solace in work or approval from people or sex or alcohol or drugs or approval, whatever it might be. But when we know that the shepherd is walking with us, we walk in confidence in the darkness because we are not alone. Spurgeon said it this way, a great preacher of the 19th century. The believer did not quicken his pace when he came to the valley, but he still calmly walked with God. To walk indicates the steady advance of a soul which knows its road, which knows its end, and resolves to follow the path and feels quite safe, and is therefore perfectly calm and composed because of who he's with. Observe that he's not walking in the valley, but he's walking through the valley. So I don't only walk, but I walk through. You are with me. Your valley right now is not your destination. It is your journey, whether it's a valley of depression or it's death, or it's a thousand other kinds of darkness. Your valley is not your destination, but it's your journey. You don't stop in the valley. You don't build a tiny house in the valley. You don't look for more friends in the valley and just stop and hang out. You go through, because there is life on the other side of the valley. When you are in a season, don't mistake it, your life but sometimes when you're in the middle of it all you see around you is darkness and foreboding challenges and you start to think and believe that that's all that your life will ever be but i'm here to tell you that you are going through the dark valley you are going through to your future that god is taking through you you through some things so that he can remove some things that are hindering you that he can put on some things that will help you but it's all about going through to the other side where the purposes of God will prevail, where the plan of God will come through, where his promises will be fulfilled, where the one who is faithful and true, and he will do it. But the valley is not divorced from your purpose. It's part of your purpose in God. And I love this passage in Isaiah 43 and 2. When you pass through the waters, everybody say through, through, I will be with you, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. I'm going through. I'm going through. I am not stopping for a visit. I am not stopping to build a habitation here. I am not going to say this is the rest of my life. I am going through. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know when it's going to break through. But I am walking with the one and in pace with him. I will walk. I will not. I will walk. I'm not going to stop. Not going to stop. I'm going through. I'm not going to the valley. I'm going through the valley. And Jesus is not up ahead asking for directions. Do you, do you know how to go through? Anybody? Please. Uh, he knows the way through. He knows where he is leading you. He knows there is a way through it because it's a path that he has been on himself. And he walked through that dark valley on the cross. Where he had to face the valley, walk through the valley. And the Hebrew says this, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. In other words, he said, hmm the cross, a valley, and he actually asked, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. No, you have to walk. Father, let me ask again, if it were possible that I couldn't, didn't have to go through this valley, can we make that arrangement? You need to walk through the valley. And then it says this for the joy set before him, you. Because he knew when he went to the cross, it was about setting you free, it was about redeeming humanity, it was about setting people free of sin and breaking the power of death, hell, and the grave, of setting people into their divine purpose in God, of breaking the power of, of hell to control people, of breaking the power of addictive forces around people, of breaking discouragement and despair, of moving people from hopelessness into hope-filled lives, of moving people into purpose and vision. That's what he saw that his, his valley meant that he was walking through to his purpose, which would open the way for everybody to walk through. You're not going alone. I'm going through. And then he goes on to say that your rod and your staff comfort me. So not only do I walk, I walk through, but I will not, I do not, lack protection. We like, you notice it says there's a rod and a staff. They're two different things. And we'll get into that in a moment. When someone's dressed a certain way, you have... You begin to see what they bring, what they can do by what they wear. When I'm at the hospital and you see somebody with a stethoscope on and a white coat, you don't normally assume that they're the janitor. You assume that they're the doctor and that they're there to help and to heal and to stitch you up, to do whatever's needed to help you get well. Because who they are is evident from what they hold. When you see a guy walk into your house with a hard hat on, a tool belt, a hammer, a saw, you don't think that he's coming to fix your computer. What is in his hand determines what he's able to do. And you look at a shepherd who has a rod and a staff, and when you look at it through 21st century lenses, we don't fully understand what that's about. But a rod was more like a club. It was about two and a half feet long. And at the end of it had iron embedded into it, spiky things poking out from it. Because it was a weapon. It was the weapon of a shepherd. The shepherd's primary offensive weapon for protecting the flock from enemies. Be they wild animals or human thieves. There was no call 911 out on the valley. There was call on the rod. We see who he is from what he holds. One theologian said it this way. Our shepherd is no emaciated weakling. He is a warrior, as shepherds had to be. No one could snatch his sheep from his hand. The muscles of his arms are flexed to defend his flock. He doesn't carry a club for nothing. He is enough for whatever the valley is throwing at you. He's fighting for you. He's watching over you. He's protecting you. The rod helps us to know That with us is not a feeling only. It does not signify mere presence, but also action and power. The God who came to defeat your enemies and protect you. Protect all those who say, he is my shepherd. So he carries a rod to defend you and protect you. But not only that, he carries a staff to direct you. I do not lack direction. The staff was used to direct, to round up the sheep. It's the one with a shepherd's crook in it and would pull them off when they start to wander away. And every so often when they start doing what sheep do, that staff would reach out and give them a (pop) on the shoulder. Oh, whoa, 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 back on track. Hey, hey, sheep, move here. But your greatest and my greatest enemy is not usually out there. It's our love of self. It's our love of our own way. It's our love of our control, of our self-pity, our distorted belief that the grass might be greener somewhere else. That our deeply twisted, subtle belief that the path of righteousness should only be a path of happiness and the staff comes and says get back on track get back on track this valley is taking you somewhere i'm taking you somewhere it's for your good and for your for my glory you're going to be better coming out of this you're going to be more like me coming out of this you're going to know me in a way that you never did before i'm preparing you for a future that's bright don't don't quit don't don't no 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 no, no. don't run off go, go, go. come on back on track back on track back on track he doesn't use the club on his sheep. He's gentle, but he will get you back on track. Some of us want Jesus to protect us from his, our enemies with his rod, but we don't want Jesus to protect us from ourselves with his staff. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yay. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Not only with the person two rows over from you, he's also with you. He's with you in your valley. He's with you in your season of challenge. He's with you in your wondering. He's with you in your questioning. He's with you in your discouragement. He's with you in the darkness. He's with you when you've got it figured out. He's with you when you haven't got it figured out. He's with you when you're going through that prognosis becoming something you're walking out. He's with you. And so this morning, I want to talk to three kinds of sheep. We're all sheep. He is our good shepherd. If you're a lost sheep, alone in the darkness, turn to God. Turn to Jesus, the good shepherd. Wandering without hope in the world. And sheep, there's an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Turn back to God. There's wandering sheep. Sheep that once walked with God and followed the voice of the shepherd and where he would lead but have wandered off and got themselves in places that they never intended to get into. And sometimes they walk into church services and can smile and look good, but inside they know that their hearts have wandered. And sometimes into space that they never thought they could ever be in. But the beautiful thing is, the good shepherd says, turn home. Turn home. And then if you're following the shepherd and you're in a valley, you can trust that he is with you. Trust that he's walking with you. Trust that he hasn't left you alone, that you are walking through under his protection and by his direction. It's a beautiful phrase. If you want to stand to your feet, and and I don't know if anybody's going to come to Keys, but maybe. I didn't arrange that. James 4, 6 through 8, it says this beautiful phrase, Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. To you. That's what God said. So I just want you to try something right now. There's somebody beside you, just draw near to them. See what happens. What happens? You got closer, right? Some of you are like, I have no idea who that person is, and I didn't want to get closer to them. Draw near. And what happens is the distance closes. You probably laughed a little bit and looked at him, oh, what's going on here. Because there's a connection this beautiful principle being shown through this story of James 4 eight. draw near to God and I'll draw near to you yeah, well how do I draw near it's James or Jeremiah that we referred to earlier said the ancient paths it's not rocket science we're looking for like a little golden key that's going to open everything here's the key obey and it starts with the word of God Get your nose in the book. There are incredible. There's these studies that they've done over the last number of years. Just going into your Bible four days a week absolutely changes so many things for the good. Just getting your nose in a book. Well, I don't understand it. Get your nose in a book. You, the more you read it, the more you'll understand it. The more you'll get from it. The more it'll feed you. And there are something spiritual and dynamic. You're not reading a John Grisham novel. You're reading the very words of God, and those words are spirit and they are life to you. So get in the word of God. Second is, call on the spirit of God. Ephesians 5 and 18 says, be filled with the spirit. Holy spirit, fill me afresh. That's not a one-time prayer back in camp when you were 14 and you're like, the Holy spirit came upon me. It was amazing. It's every day. Spirit, fill me today. I don't know what I'm going to face today, but I know you do. And so I need your power. I need your grace. I need your strength. I need your anointing. I need every gift that's available to me today. So I need you, Holy Spirit. Come, fill me afresh. Boom, done. And then walk in the Spirit. Word of God, the Spirit of God, and then the people of God. whole concept of sheep. Sheep die alone. Sheep are flock animals. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a flock person. The idea that you can, it's just Jesus and me and I don't need people is not biblical. I'll just say it right now. It's a lie. It's a lie that keeps people in bondage, smallness. It it hinders your personal growth and development. It hinders you stepping into your future. And you walk alone when you don't have to walk alone. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God. And you will find yourself drawing near to Jesus. In a way that you never thought was possible, but it's the way that you will get through the valley. It's the way that you will come through, not just making it scraping through, but that you will you will have, find yourself life opening into a wide place that God had prepared for you. But it's on the other side. Of the valley of preparation, the valley of dying to sell, the valley of dying to your agenda, the valley of dying to your your way, the valley of dying to your pity, the valley of dying to your past, the valley of It's not an easy valley, but on the other side is what he has for you. Yeah, but walk through the valley. I'm walking through, I'm not stopping, I am protected, and I'm being directed by the good shepherd. Just bow your heads quickly and I want to give us an opportunity to respond. Just give privacy to the people around you. It's not anything spooky happening. The Spirit of God is here. He's been speaking to you. Every head bowed and eye closed just to give privacy to the in the room. If you're in this space and you recognize, I'm not sure that I'm right with God. I might be one of those lost sheep that's all by myself. And I want to come close to the good shepherd. I want to follow him. If that's you, just put your hand up and I want to pray for you. Amen. Yes. 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 Very simple. Just... I call it this way ABC just to give a handle to remember it. I acknowledge if I've been if I'm lost and I'm not sure how to find my way home I acknowledge that I'm a sinner God I acknowledge that I'm a sinner B I believe that Jesus died for my sin and made a way to make a way back to you C I confess that you're the forgiver and leader of my life I want to follow you all the rest of my life I don't want this just to be a moment. I want this to be a journey that i walk with you. So I surrender my life to you. I don't want to be lost on the outside. I want to be walking with the shepherd each and every day of my life. If you prayed that prayer, go on to horizonfam.ca and there's a response portion there. But if you came with someone, tell them that you made that decision today. Secondly, I want to pray with People are going through valley times right now. Just with every head up and every eye open. If you're going through a valley time right now, and just raise your hand real quick. Come on. No, no. Come on. Be honest. Going through a valley time right now. I'm going through a challenging season right now. There's more people than this in the room. Come on. Keep it up. This is not a shameful thing. This is a part of the program of God. Back there. Look around. Come on. Let's be real in this room. Let's be real in this room. We're all all around you. Now, wherever you see a hand raised, if your hand's not raised right now, I want you to go and pray over that. Pray over someone whose hand is raised that you have some faith that God's working. Come on, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Come on, family. This is us. Princeton, if you're in the room, if your hand's raised, gather around and pray over people all around the room. Someone back there in that corner. Someone over there. Keep your hand raised until someone's hand is on your shoulder. We're praying for a realization of the God who is with you. With you. With you. Come on, let's begin to pray all around the room. If your hand is not on somebody, just begin to pray. Thank you, Lord, for endurance. Thank you, Lord, for strength. Thank you, Lord, that the purpose of the valley is to help us to know you in a way we never did before. Thank you that you're taking us deeper in our relationship with you. Thank you that we're coming to know you, to know your power, to know your protection, to know your direction, to know your correction, to know your love. Pour out your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's continue to pray. Let's continue to pray. Spirit of the Lord. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You are my God, you are my hope, you are my strength, you are with me. Jesus, thank you for all the hands that are raised around this room. Thank you that you're the God who is not the God up there only, but you're the God in here. Thank you that you're not just the God of the mountaintop, but you're the God of the valley. Thank you that you're the God when everything is going well, when everything is seemingly gone to hell. Thank you that you're the God that's with us with us the God who is above all you are the great and high king of the earth you are the great and high king of our situation yet you are the shepherd who comes alongside and is walking us through and may that truth be cemented into our heart but even more than that walked out in our lives through the word of God through the spirit of God through the people of God in the strong name of Jesus and everyone said Amen, amen.